The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world who tried to intensify talks with Juan Soto last night, and Juan Soto said, please get away from me. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Hey, good morning. It is 9.25 Nashville time here on Wednesday, the final day of the winter meetings here at the Opryland, the Rule 5 draft of That's the Real Buzz. Sure, we'll talk about Juan Soto, but the Rule 5 draft this afternoon, one of my favorite 30 minutes of the entire year. I'm so excited for that. But we are not really going to talk about that because we do still have a couple more transactions since we spoke last evening. We reacted to Alice Verdugo going to the New York Yankees, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. We're going to talk about what happens next for the Yankees. We're going to talk about the Orioles making a move, Jake. The mm. Your Baltimore Orioles. A couple other minor moves, and then we will say goodbye because it sounds like, as I open up MLB trade rumors, it sounds like the Juan Soto trade may be happening any minute. It's imminent. Yes. I want to begin with something from the Alex Verdugo trade that we missed. Alex Verdugo to the Yankees to join their outfield. And if the season started tomorrow, which thankfully it doesn't, Alex Verdugo would be the right fielder. Aaron Judge would be the center fielder. And probably like Oswaldo Cabrera would be the left fielder. They're going to add another outfielder. But if that outfielder is Juan Soto, right, then what is the outfield? We're going to have Aaron Judge coming off a major lower, lower body injury play center field for 145 games, and then you're going to flank him with two... I mean, Verdugo is like average in a corner, yeah. and Soto is a catastrophe defensively. That's going to be your outfield for the majority of the season? Is that the plan? I, Judge is, to be clear, like Judge is fine in center. He's like a 40-grade defender, slightly below average defensively out there. But it's more about, for me, like the wear and tear of that. If you want Judge to play 90 games in the center, that makes sense. But the idea that he's going to be the everyday center fielder and he's going to be flanked by two non-spectacular corner outfielders, I know home run go brr. Yeah. But is that really the plan? Well, here's the thing. Before we even get to a potential Soto trade, right? I mean, right now, this is, again... The Jason Dominguez injury is a big deal. Huge deal, man. <laughs> right? And, but ultimately, even if you do believe Jason, and I believe Boone was asked about, like, do you, you know, view Bo- 
Dominguez as your center fielder of the future. That very well may be the case, but guess what? The Yankees can, like, it's not a, like, that might be true, but the Yankees do not have the, like, ability to wait around to figure out who their center field is going to be like. They just won 82 games. The New York Yankees just won 82 games. It is not a market that is conducive to the it's concept of patience. It's not just like, patience. oh, it's fine, like, Dominguez will be back. And also, that's unfair to Dominguez, who's, again, still a child, to come back and save them in center field. So, I guess maybe they think Dominguez is their answer in center by the end of this season, this upcoming season. But it seems like a quite because as you mentioned, I mean, even 90 games, like I'm looking back at Judge, you know, he played 20 games there in 21. He played 78 games there in 22. And then this year, of course, he was injured a bunch, 18 games in center. So it's hard to believe that's plan A. Obviously, the lineup would be pretty freaking sweet, Uh, which but again, like the Yankees. But it wouldn't. The lineup would be good. It would be good. It would be good. The bottom is still not good. Judge, I'm not here on a podcast in public saying Judge Soto, who cares? Like, that's <laughs> okay. sick. Like, I'm, I no, want to be clear. But yeah. that's two of nine. Yeah, yeah. That's no, two I of know, nine. And, sure. and you can't completely sacrifice outfield defense yeah. just for those two guys in the line. Especially because such a, so much about the Yankees that has made them unwatchable and also underwhelming recently is a lack of athleticism, right? And while I, Juan Soto is my favorite baseball player, so like I'm not going to decry the fact that he's you know stiff and not bringing a level of, of kind of energy and speed and whatever. Like it doesn't matter when your OBP is 450. At the same time, like <laughs> Verdugo also is not like he's a fine average hitter. He's not bringing that kind that kind of element to the game, yeah. athleticism to the game. It, it, so, and I don't know where that's going to come from. And maybe it does come from the young guys like Volpe and Peraza in the infield. But I agree with you. Like, I'm, I'm not saying, like, who cares? I, it's just oh, an interesting strategy. And let me be clear. I'm not saying don't trade for Juan Soto. <laughs> uh, of course. I'm of course. saying that this is not the end. And here, Jordan, do you have any tinfoil on you? Um, Can you look know. in your backpack for me? Because I'm going to make that into a hat. Okay. All right. Put that we're, on my head. We're getting, we're getting spicy here. Do Let's you think it. that there's a chance that the Soto talks took longer or are taking longer because Trent Grisham would be mm. involved in the deal? where he fits really well into the Yankees lineup. Left-handed bat, which they need. Center fielder, which yeah. they need. Not going to be too pricey. Maybe Verdugo goes back to San Diego in that deal. Well, right? I, just, I just thought when the first reports of the, of the, Judd, or the Soto Yankees stuff and Grisham part, like that was great before we were thinking about Alex Verdugo, New York Yankee, like, which complicated things. Now, Verdugo is a much safer bet to be a good hitter than Grisham. And I'm sure that that's part of it. Now, that doesn't mean they don't maybe still have interest in Grisham. Of course. But, and then from the Padres' perspective there, taking Verdugo, putting him in right, put Tatis in center. Sure. Makes a lot of sense. And I, I, I think that, that maybe there is a chance that's why it's taken longer. Yeah. No, I could, I could see that. And, and yes, it's a, an interesting, uh, again, sequencing is, is important. And, and I just, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, maybe they, they could flip Verdugo in another deal if, if the Padres aren't are necessarily interested. But I do agree with you that, that Grisham would be a really nice a nice fit. I, I, he would be, to me, a better version of Harrison Bader uh, in terms of what you're getting and what you're paying. And he's a lefty bat. And even though he will have times where he is an objectively shitty hitter, the way that Harrison Bader is, he also can go on a heater in a way that Bader has at times, but I like the fit more with him there, and he can play a center field. So, so I like that. So as we sit here on Wednesday morning, there is still no Juan Soto trade. Things got sneaky close last night, it appears, but yeah. couldn't get it over the finish line. Now, it's important to remember that all these trades, they're not happening in a vacuum. 
they're all interchained. Like, they're all interconnected, yep. right? So the Soto deal is dependent on where the Otani sweepstakes are at, where, and that's dependent on what teams think about their chances to get Yamamoto. All of these things are interconnected because teams' priorities change as we go. So if you believe a report from yesterday, okay, that the Cubs believe they're out or have less confidence that they're in on Otani, then their attention shifts to Soto. Yep. And what that means is the Yankees have the incentive now to get a Soto deal done before the Cubs can get their shit together, mm-hmm. get their foot in the door, and then that drives that price up. Or Blue Jays. Or the Blue Jays, right, Should for be. everybody. Yep. And so, like, we had this story yesterday, right, of Jed Hoyer kind of chewing out Bob Nightingale. Mm-hmm. And I think my first read on it was maybe Jed is saying, hey, what you reported about us being out on Otani, that's not true. Otani's camp mm-hmm. can take it in a certain way. It's not cool to report things that the team doesn't believe. Or... What I realize now is Jed could be saying, what the hell, Bob, now uh, the price for Soto for us is going to be higher because the Padres know that we're out on Otani. Yeah, I guess. But uh, again, like (laughs) the Yankees remain in the best position to get this done. And so I agree with you. Like, I don't don't know, like the Cubs, I'm having a really tough time reading how the Cubs are handling this. Yeah. But also this is. Each, each team in on Otani is handling it in a slightly different way. In the way, again, is what we talked about in the last episode in terms of sensitivity, in terms of secrecy, yep. in terms of, you know, they're all handling it slightly differently in a way that is, is projecting different levels of confidence and different levels of panic with regards to the rest of the offseason. And because the Yankees are not involved in the Otani thing, as you mentioned, this sh- is their sole focus. And so for them to do a different move before doing Soto is what makes this... I think so interesting. I want to bring up an email that we got yesterday. Thank you to the folks who emailed us. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. Just pe- someone asking about why the Yankees and Mets are so assumed to be out. This is from Sam Baker. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why teams like the Yankees or the Mets are considered out on Otani. Maybe I missed something, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Two of the richest teams mm-hmm. in enormous market in New York, both considered to be totally out on Otani. There has been very little reporting that those teams are interested. Mm-hmm. In fact, we got some reporting from John Heyman yesterday that Otani couldn't see himself playing in the city of New York. <laughs> yes. Yes. This what, is is your, what is your take on this? Because <clears throat> I think we're conditioned as baseball fans to see large free agent, they want to be in the biggest market. Maybe yeah. that's not always true with Otani. Yeah, well, and I feel like you've said that pretty clearly <laughs> from the jump, and well, I've agreed I, with that. I, I said that once I saw Utani functioning at yeah. Yankee Stadium. Right. And again, another thing is like, okay, so John Heyman, you know, reports this. He said, you know, an anonymous clubhouse source that basically said Otani told him, like, yeah, I couldn't really see myself in New York. i interested in the Dodgers and the Blue Jays. So it's like, okay, great, whatever. But the point is, is that's another piece of information where I'm like, yeah, duh. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, like, if this, if this source is to be, be believed and Otani's outwardly expressed that to somebody, like, that is interesting. But I also do think that the degree to which the Yankees in particular have just been talking openly so much about so much else about what they're trying to do, the Mets, I feel like, are, I guess, I could, in, in my head, still think as, like, looming in some way. I, I just 
do yeah. not believe the Yankees are in. I just don't. I just think that, yeah. especially for them, like, think about how many people. Like, if they were remotely still in at all, I do actually think that there would be some sense for that. Here's two reasons for that. One, <clears throat> when stuff happens with the Yankees, we know about it. Yeah. There's 85 reporters around that team and things leak out. And if they were interested or thought they had a shot for Otani, I think we would know. Yeah, certainly by now. Here's why I think the Otani Yankee stuff has been, there's been nothing and why it won't happen. 2017, the Yankees were not a finalist. Okay. Nothing has changed about the way the Yankees are run really since then. At the time, Aaron Boone was a first year manager heading into his first season in 18. And so, yes, that, like, there's more of a culture, I guess, in the clubhouse, but the roster is not in a better place. New York is still an overwhelming place to live. Totally. Here's my question to Sam, who sent this in. Do you live in New York? Have you ever lived in New York? Living in that city that I love is not for some people. It's not for everybody. Jordan, for instance. Yeah. Right. I mean, sure. I was, uh, you know, I lived there for a couple years. You can, you can imagine Shohei Otani spending time in New York City and saying, this is too chaotic. I don't want to live here. I don't want to deal with this. Thank you. But here's what I want to throw back at Sam in terms of sort of the different premise that he's getting at. And I don't know if this is a Yankees fan or Mets fan or whatever. Is I do think that even at this point now that we finally have had reports about meetings with the Blue Jays, meetings with the Dodgers, right? All these things. If he signs with the Giants tomorrow, I'm, I'll be surprised. But like, I do think there's still a level of assuming that we're doing that is silly. Because I still think we don't know much. So, like, yes, at this point, I do believe it's down to Dodger, whatever. But, like, but if he signed with the Yankees, I'd be floored. Yeah, no, 100%. But, like, I do think that, like, there's still a level that we don't know, even though that we started to get just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit more information that we start to feel like we're figuring it out. And I think that there's still a very good chance we have absolutely no idea what's about to happen. But I think that New York is not a part of the conversation. Something that we do know, a nugget of news that popped this morning, the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. Nearing the completion of a deal with one Mr. Gregory Kimbrell. Gregory. Gregory Kimbrell. Uh, the one and only Craig Kimbrell, who is one of the greatest closers of all time. He's, He's your most exhausting friend in the friend group. He is entering his age 36 season. And, you know, again, <laughs> because of the, the way that we view the sport and because we view, view it through so many different lenses, like, Trans, certain transactions evoke emotions, right? We've had versions of this, right? The Mariners trade evokes emotions. The Verdugo to the Yankees trade evokes emotions. But when you strip it down to the most basic, boring baseball objectivity, it's like, okay, yeah, the Yankees need a left-hand hitting outfielder. Maybe they keep him, maybe they don't. Mariners okay, yeah, need to shed payroll, okay. Yeah. The Orioles, Felix Bautista's not going to pitch. So what? they need a closer. And so, like, it's, it's that. But at the same time, like, now your favorite team is going to have Craig Kimbrell rolling out there after yeah. you got just a front row seat for that experience yeah. in, in October. But it's not even about October. It's about, it's about getting through April, May, June, July, August. Like, it's, right. that experience is maybe not as high stakes. But, um, but it's so funny because it's the same thing with Chapman to some degree. Like, you, you, you have those experiences of thinking about what it's like watching Kimberly in October. Like, oh, my God. And then you pull up. It's like, yeah, well, he still struck out you know, 12 guys per nine. He had a 3-2-6 ERA. He had 23 saves again. And he, if you look at the numbers for this period, it's like, oh, yeah, like, that's a closer. Right. And I, I, let me just – I want to say something about Kimberly. I think in some ways it is a shame that he is a bit of a punchline at this point. Not because he's a bad pitcher. 
but because there is a tough spot, October, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, Craig Kimbrell's going to blow it. Yes. This guy, at his peak, was the most dominant pitcher ever, ever. No one in the history of the sport has excelled at a more dominant level than than Craig Kimbrell did at his peak. Yeah. And like, yeah, duh, he's 36. He's 36, and he's a reliever. And so he's going to lose some zip on what he was doing. That's totally understandable. There is, like, there's not two buckets. It's not like best closer in the world, mid. Yeah. Being mid's good. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's and, useful. And they, and, and again, it's, I am interested in this, though, because, you know, they, Yenier Cano, I mean, we saw him kind of transition into a closer role. And obviously, statistically at times, it was like, oh, yeah, this is a closer quality guy. So maybe it's not as obvious. Now, I would assume for someone with Craig Kimbrell's status, like if he's looking around, he is probably looking for somewhere where he can pitch the ninth inning. I would assume that. Yeah, so, but I said this this morning as we were getting ready to head over here. Craig Kimbrell, I think, will get the ninths yeah. when the ninth is not two, three, four, five in the opposing order. I think I don't agree with you, <laughs> but okay. we'll see. You think uh, he starts? I just think I guess what I'm. I guess I would say is like, it, it probably will be a little bit more balanced. Yeah, I, I mean, don't think he's like they're going to be like. Sorry, we can't do it in, in high leverage, like with the best players. Like dude, I don't. The pivot though, yeah, from Felix Bautista's 2023 literal automatic. Top, I mean, it's. I looked this up. I think it's the fourth best relief season ever. Maybe the or at least from a strikeout perspective, the. Three seasons better than him. Two of them are Kimbrel. Okay. Yes. Right. Oh yeah. Two of them are Kimbrel. Which is appropriate. Right. But the confidence level, <laughs> it was like, oh, oh yeah. It yeah, was yeah. like, oh, Felix Bautista coming out for the ninth. Game over. Yeah. Kimbrel is not does not afford Brandon Hyde that same type of luxury. Yeah. So Kimbrel was making. I think his the deal with the Phillies was like, let's see, it was one, it was ten million dollars. I would imagine it'll be a little bit less than that. We don't have uh, a number there, but definitely an interesting first move for Baltimore. And I, listen, for whatever all that entails, it is nice to just see Baltimore, like, sign a major league player that is going to be important for them. Like, I, yeah. it sounds basic, but, you know, we were talking about how, like, we've, they've barely crossed our mind this offseason so far. This is a reasonable way to, to make us think about them. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to read a couple of your emails related to the winter meet. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a brand new housekeeping note about our merch. Basically, we have a bunch of new stuff. So if you've been looking for a baseball barbercast themed beanie or bucket hat, or even a t-shirt with one of those cool pockets on the chest, well you can stop looking and start buying because they're all available right now just in time for winter. Just go to podswag.com slash baseball and don't leave yourself clothesless this winter. That's P-O-D-S-W-A-G dot com slash baseball. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast, Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. One thing, actually, let's talk about this briefly before we hop into emails. On the way to the Opryland this morning, yes. we drove by two general managers on a stroll <laughs> oh, together. Yeah, we did. We can report that. That's not off the record. No. We saw them. No. They were on the property. It's not like we were anywhere we weren't supposed to be. Maybe they were just going for a nice walk together. Eric Neander of the Tampa Bay Rays. AJ Preller. The San Diego Padres. Now, if you're a news aggregator out there and you hear this and you're like, oh, trade Ooh. imminent between the two. They're no, talking. Maybe I mean, they're, they were talking. They were, 
Ray's <laughs> Padres talking. What they were talking about, I can't say. They were talking they about. Might not have been talking about baseball. Could have been like John Morant. Yeah. So I can't. But they. But they were talking. Uh, I mean, whatever. We could make a, a million jokes. You know, the air conditioner's like, like, oh, boohoo! Like, you got to cut payroll. It sucks. Been man. there. It's like, oh, guess what? Like, really? Like, try cutting $120 million from your payroll and then try to, you know, win some baseball games. And talk to me, huh? And <laughs> talk to me, huh? But, uh, but, yeah, but it is a reminder, like, again, we talk about what is the winter meeting? What do you see? You can glean at least not about necessarily breaking news about what's going to happen, but you can sometimes learn about the relationships that, that certain uh, teams have or, or GMs have with each other. Well, that, and it's like who's friends with whom. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, when you're at the bar at yeah. night – which manager is talking to which opposing GM. It's like, how do you know that person? Yeah. And then you think about it, and it's like, oh. So yeah. you do get to learn relationships, and for our job, just to peel the curtain back, that's useful, right? Oh, so, like, yeah. if, I, if, there's a, if I need to write a story or want to know more about person X, you're always trying to figure out who to ask about to get that info. Yep. Because so many people be like, yeah, I play with him. He's a good guy, whatever. But you got to figure out who really has the sauce, and this is a great environment to try and figure that out. Yep. Let's crack open the bucket of emails. Thank you, folks, for your emails. We really appreciate it. Let's start with this one. Let's do it. From Ben. Hi, hey, ben. guys. Love the show. Let's say you were invited to dinner during the winter meetings with three GMs or POBOs separated from any active news about current free agents or potential trades. Who would you want the three other people at dinner to be? Thanks, Ben. Uh, I would like to bring Jordan. So it's like me, you, mm-hmm. three execs. Yeah. So, again, like certain, G- again, it, they can't talk about what they're doing with their t- jobs now. Just like baseball. But certain, base, certain baseball people are, certain GMs and Pobos have different experiences because now, again, are we picking former players that could tell us, that could just talk about being a, form, being a former player, right? Like guys like DePoto, guys like Chris Young, guys like Sam Fold, like these dudes can just talk about their major league careers in ways that like it would be very compelling. Worse is like then we have another bucket of GMs where it's like they've just been in front offices their whole lives. They went to Yale. They just did that, and like that's interesting in a different way. Now I I feel like you'd have to kind of commit in one way or the other, or do you uh, think you would want to mix and match? I want storytellers, man, and like I want storytellers and people who have seen things. Like Dombrowski yeah. for me is a lock. Right, Dombrowski's a lock. Like I want to I want to talk to him. Mike Rizzo would be my other pick mm-hmm. because he's interesting to talk to. Yeah. Is he a top five GM in baseball? No, but I'm going to dinner. Right, right. And that's the other thing, right? Because the, the degree to which each of these, you know, GMs and Pobos have the, the lane to exhibit personality. We talk about it with players, right? Yeah. But GMs are very rarely in studies to exhibit personality in a very real way. Do you want to ask uh, Andy McCullough this question? Andy, no, you want to answer a question? He Put on a headset. Excited. We got a headset for Andy McCullough. We're here with the athletics, Andy McCullough. Andy, we got an email that said if you could go to dinner with any three Pobos or GMs, not for news purposes, just to kick it, other than Dayton Moore, who would your other two picks be? Uh, Farhan Zaidi. Okay. okay. Why? Uh, he's a very interesting, intelligent fellow. Okay. And uh, Chris Young. Why? Because he's so tall. Good mix. He's a very interesting, intelligent fellow. Yeah. Thank you for and, and played many Major League Baseball games. And he was yeah. on the 2015 Royals. And he was on the 2015 Royals, yeah. I exclusively favor general managers who played on the 2015 Royals. Yes. So 
Um, when Haas gets a job, you know, replacing <laughs> Brian Cashman, running the New York Yankees, I'll, I'll invite him to dinner. But until then, he's just a ball player. To I was going to say, who is the, the most likely next 2015 Royal to be a high-ranking front officer? Uh, well, he I don't think I it's mean, Eric Hosmer. 2013 Royal Chris Getz is That's a true, general manager. But there's a big difference between the 2013 Royals and 2015 Royals. Uh, I mean, eight wins. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. Never mind. How many? <laughs> this is James Shields erasure. Okay, is James Shields? No. Wago? No. Wago G? Wago no, and G? I think Wago, Wago G would, uh, would not want to be a general manager. Wago G is high on a golf course somewhere having a great time. I don't, I don't want to speak to whatever, uh, you know, potentially illicit activities he's getting into, but he seems like he's doing well when I've caught up with him over the years. Sounds I, good. I spoke to him a couple of years ago when uh, Fernando Tatis hit a couple homers in a game, and Will Myers also hit a couple homers in a mm-hmm. postseason game, mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, you see what you did in there? He goes, yeah, bro. I'm responsible for four homers tonight. That's pretty good trade value. It me. <laughs> dude, that's I an amazing <laughs> Southern California right there. Yeah, well, that's what he sounds like, dude. Yeah, uh, that's what he sounds like. How many general managers or front office execs, like high-ranking people, would you want to grab a beer with, like what percentage, outside of baseball? Like how many of them do you see as interesting, compelling, thoughtful human beings? Well, how many beers are we having? It depends on your schedule. Sliding scale. Well, like, I mean, I could probably, I would say that I could probably hang out with all 30 and have an interesting conversation for like an hour. But that's, I don't know if I can talk to anyone for more than an hour. You know, mm. before I'm, you know, I just want to hit Before the it's either I need more yeah. beers. What are you guys I'm, arguing? You're arguing these are boring people? Or no, we just got an people? email. Someone asked oh, us. Okay. Someone, oh, someone asked. asked. What, what are your guys' choices? Well, I, I, was, I was saying that, like, again, if we, whatever, we can't talk about their current team, but you, now we have former players as options to talk sure. to with a, a different array of experiences than the guy that's been yeah, in the front right, office for right. 10, 15, 20 right. years and has been doing the same thing. And, and can, so, but obviously, like you mentioned Farhan, like, that doesn't mean those people can't be interesting. Yes. But if we have three of those people at the table, that's another thing. Now we right. have to deal with the dynamics between yeah. the two. Yeah. I, said Mike, I said Mike Rizzo. Okay. For sure. me, it's like story time. I want story time. Yeah, totally. And totally. so Mike Rizzo, Dabrowski. Yeah. What was my third pick? It was super weird. Roland Heeman. <laughs> um, who was your third pick? I don't think Branch Rickey. I think Branch Rickey. I don't think you did a third pick. So yet. the thing, if you go to if you go to uh, like dinner with Chris Young, if there's a lull in conversation, you can just be like, "Hey, you can Chris Farley, show it." Like, remember that time you scored 20 points against Kansas in the NCAA tournament? Whoa, that was awesome. Can he still dunk? Do you think? I mean, he's six foot ten. Yes. When do six foot ten people stop being able to dunk? Yeah. I don't know. I will say this. Um, you know, I covered Chris as a player with the Mets and the Royals, and his height is notable. But he's like around professional athletes now. And, it's... and now that he is not, I think about his height all the time. Like, and I ask him questions about. I'm like, so what is flying like? Or like, what is taking the train like? He's like, it's not great. I'm like, it's not great for me. I'm six three. You're nine inches taller than me. So I was nearby when you congratulated him on the field after they won the yeah. World Series this year, and you're a tall gent. Yeah. You looking up at him <laughs> at such an angle. Yeah. Was really interesting. Was that a, a part of your neck that you really yeah. get to exercise often? Uh, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. There's over the years, people have taken pictures of me. Uh, you know, looking up at, at Chris Young <laughs> because it is an amusing visual. Yeah. Anyway, uh, hey, are you guys glad the winter meetings are almost over? It seems like you are. <laughs> oh no! I wish it was another day. Yeah, or it used to be. It, it used, used to be. be. Yeah. Used to be. I mean, really you're really, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay in this lobby. <laughs> no. <after> today. <laughs> Did someone someone tell everybody else that? 
Yeah. I'm like, I, I am amused by, as we sit here now with like Soto Talks, quote unquote, intensifying. Mm-hmm. It, it is funny because, again, they don't care yeah. when they do any of this. Jesus but Christ. it happening as, as everyone is leaving is, is pretty funny. Can I run a really horrible prank by you? Sure. Dressing up as a front office official and going around the lobby to job seekers and, and oh, that's not no, I don't and giving them tasks and 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 yeah, I mean that is a horrible prank. And that's then not, yeah, and I then Jordan and then Ashton Kutcher pops out like oh yeah you got yeah I, yeah that's a bad prank. I don't okay, I don't yeah. care for that. Yeah, yeah. No, um, that's good. Anyway, I will say this: yeah. uh, if the Soto deal goes through, that's great for baseball. Yeah. Juan Soto and the New York Yankees? Yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. Would that cancel out Shohei Otani on the Toronto Blue Jays? No. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I think almost as an industry, we have to root for the Dodgers to get him now so uh, everyone can not blame Dave Roberts for just saying the truth. Yeah, uh, but it would be kind of funny. Not really. It doesn't yeah. mean anything. Not really. Well, well So, actually, let me ask a you a question about, for you. I'm about to go, go record ahead. my podcast. Yeah. Uh, Sick, dude. This is good. Uh, this is yeah, warm-up. You're taking table. BP. Yeah, no, I'm just curious. Uh, everyone is talking about how Otani's requested privacy, right? Everyone yeah. seems to know this. When did he say that? Well, I, my question is, why? Okay, so he's... I'm just curious. What's the premise? man he, hasn't spoken in four months. <laughs> so that's true. That implies a desire for privacy. Uh, says who? I says ass- his actions. Like, I, that's all we have to go well, off I, of, and right? I, assu- I assume it's, it's, it was communicated from... Tell so, me I'm wrong. Oh, no, from no. Ne- the, yes, yes. And so the, 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 the process that that <laughs> communication uh, met, went into the public... Uh, is called reporting. Yes. And which is subsequently continued um, because reporters, yeah. our job is to provide information yeah. to the readers. Yeah. Okay, you guys have a good day. Thank, Thank you, Andy. Andy, Andy McCullough, appreciate it. Go listen to the roundtable. Underrated, I will say underrated, like, Otani moment this year was when he, when he didn't speak after blowing out. Like, and Nez showed up and was like, I got it, like, sorry, yeah, just talk to me. Like it was just completely, um, I felt like unprecedented. I, yeah, I think everyone's acting in their own self-interest, and, and that's how the world works. Uh, any, you want to do another question? Uh, yeah, it sounds like you, I got had, it. you had some other emails. Yeah. Okay, sure. one more, and then we'll, we'll ski-daddle. Okay. Hey, fellas. My name is Garrett Lloyd. I recently got to connect with Jake at the Bridge Seminar at Wake Forest. I'm the major league bullpen catcher for the Chicago Cubs. And a few years ago, that's pretty cool. That's a good gig. And a few years ago, I had a chance to attend winter meetings in Vegas. It would be interesting to hear your breakdown on the various looks executives and decision makers have at the meetings. My first time attending, I labeled the meetings the Cole Haan Super Bowl. I got my Cole Haans on right now, boy. Wee! Equally would be intrigued to hear you touch on this absurd amount of athleisure when it comes to field staff like myself and players. At the Bridge Seminar, it was pretty much a Lululemon job fair. Anyway, big fan of the podcast. Reach out if you're ever covering the Cubs. Thanks. Um... Stephanie Epstein of Sports Illustrated wrote a really fun article about how all these people dress the same, and that is because a lot of these executives are from similar backgrounds. A yeah. lot of them grew up with money and went to fancy schools and dressed that way. And I wish that if, if that's going to be the case, if we're going to have that level of homogeny, can one of them get a stylist? Mm. Can, one, can, like, no, no shame here. Can yeah. Carter Hawkins, like, get a stylist? Well, it's also like, I mean, again, like, what's the upside? Like, who are they? They go, you know, long stretches during the regular season, you know, not really being seen in public, mm. right? So it's not even like this is when it's on display all at once in the same place while all standing next to each other. And, like, that's when it gets goofy. I feel the same way, like, 
To me, the, the more consistent version of that in baseball is scouts. When you go see a bunch of scouts sitting next to each other wearing the exact same thing, it, looks, it becomes goofy when you see it in contrast. When you just see one GM dressed in a certain way at their own ballpark, you're like, okay. Yep. But when you see all of them in this with the same thing, then it's like, okay, now this becomes funny. Just, you know, and I think it is revealing about a certain dynamic at the winter meetings, which is like, look, our sport is too white and too male. Who are the people who can afford to come to something like this and grind and network and pay for the flights and the hotel? It's a certain type of person. And, like, I – it when you're going to the stadium regularly, it doesn't overwhelm you as much. But when you're at a place like this and you're, like, looking at such a large swath of people, it really is a reminder that, yes, our sport has gotten better, especially, I think, in front offices more so than the media. Mm-hmm. Like, having now been to this over the last six years – Mm-hmm. There is a, a you're, there are more diverse faces in front offices than there were six years ago. Yeah. And you see that at the bar sure. <laughs> more than you see that like strolling around the hotel because on the journalism side and we're, you know, we're this, mm-hmm. it, it's a lot of the same thing. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, and I don't know what it would take to kind of kind of shake that up. Um, it's scholarships, like it's but, it's, uh, it's scholarships. Oh, no, making sure people have opportunities. About, I was talking about the clothing. Oh yeah, that uh, uh, that just requires watching <laughs> what not to wear. Uh, do we have any other uh, any other emails? Um, we, I think we can we can pretty much wrap this. Again, it seems like a Soto deal is is we're heading in that direction. Heading in that direction is to the point now where if it doesn't happen, we're really going to have some kind of Yankee fan reaction. Last thing, yep. Scott Boris <clears throat> will be speaking. Yes. Later today, his hour, annual uh, jamboree. Sure to get some fun buzz out of that. Yes. And we will see what we get from the, the rest of this day, rest of Rule 5, whatever. Uh, later today, as things stand, you will hear our Prospect Barbacast that you we recorded with Mike Farron last night, talking about just a little bit of 2024 draft stuff after we have the shocking Ohio uh, <laughs> draft lottery results. Big day for the Ohio Lottery uh, for that, uh, that Google search. So you'll hear that later. But if Juan Soto does get traded, you will hear from us as soon as possible. And at worst, you will hear from us on Friday morning for sure. So this uh, will do it for our Winter Meetings uh, podcast. This has been great. Producer Chris Tyler, you have a headset on. How, how's you, you had a good time, my friend? It's been fun, uh, especially yesterday. It was such a busy day. We had plenty of recordings. Yes, uh, some that people don't even know about Exactly. Yet. We had a nice little uh, excursion to somewhere, which I will not say just yet, but <laughs> in the next few weeks or so, we'll be oh, dropping yes. a very special episode of Baseball Barbercast that yes. you'll be able to hear on certain uh, Sirius XM channels as well. Yes, so, so we're looking this forward is a big to that. deal. Yes, it is it's a, big a big deal. deal. Very excited about that. So a lot more coming. Uh, obviously, we it seems like we're maybe going to finally start getting some news, and the Soto trade would be a massive, massive deal. And, of course, that Otani guy still hasn't signed anywhere. But, Jake, this is it. We did it. Uh, I'm so excited for the Rule 5. But as for this podcast here at this desk, we are done. Thank you all for listening so much that you can email us at baseballbarbecast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast. We'll try to get to more of those emails uh, once we are home and whatnot. But thank you all for listening. Jake Mintz, final thoughts from Nashville. Bye-bye. Serious XM Podcasts.